welcome to Office Hours with EAB. Today, our experts share findings from EAB's newest parent engagement survey. The survey was designed to identify how and when parents want your college to communicate with them throughout their family's college search odyssey. Our experts dig into the data and offer tips on what the survey findings suggest your school should be doing differently as you consider where parents fit in your overall recruiting strategy. Give these folks a listen and enjoy. Well, hello and welcome to Office Hours with EAB. I'm Madeline Rainier and I serve as the Vice President of Consulting and Dean of Enrollment Management at EAB. Today, we're gonna to talk about an aspect of student recruitment that is often undervalued and underutilized. I'm talking about the small percentage of colleges and universities that make comprehensive parent communication and engagement a central focus of their recruiting strategy. We know how closely tied Gen Z students are with their millennial parents, and that phrase, we're going to college, is how they think. So why is it that more colleges and, don't, and universities don't make this a priority? Today, we're gonna to dig into EAB's hot off the press survey data from 2,300 parents who shared their perspectives on college communication preferences and priorities for choosing a school. Joining me today to discuss this issue is my colleague, Michael Koppenheffer. Michael, will you mind introducing yourself and will you tell us a little bit about the new survey findings that we're gonna dig into today? Thanks, Madeline, and it's great to be with you. As Madeline was saying, my name's Michael Koppenheffer. I serve as the Vice President for Marketing and Analytics for EAB's Enroll360 group. So that means that I work with the people who do the marketing strategy, the people who analyze the performance of marketing campaigns, understand student and parent behavior, and so forth. And so for all those reasons, I'm very concerned about understanding the preferences and priorities of parents. Um, so we've done this survey now for many, many years. It's a biannual survey, which by which we mean every two years. And we, we survey parents on their communication preferences with regard to colleges and the college search for high school students. But we also um, try to understand a little bit about their psychology, their concerns, their worries. And so we're going to talk about all of that today as we unpack the findings of the survey. Yeah, thanks, Michael. I mean, the survey questions are really interesting because I think um, when enrollment leaders have the opportunity to look at the survey results in their entirety, there are going to be a lot of things in there that don't really surprise people. These are long-term trends. Families are very worried about cost. Um, but there are also some, there are some real nuggets, I think. Um, and the one thing that came through loud and clear was parents absolutely want to be communicated with. And interestingly enough, because we also survey students about when they're beginning their college search, the, the rate at which parents want to be involved sort of seems to be mirroring the same timeline that their students might be following. So when you think about that, when you think about how is it that when, how and when is it that parents want to hear from colleges, what advice do you have for enrollment leaders about setting a strategy? Well, the first thing that I say to colleges and universities about building a parent communication strategy is to do it at all. So you wouldn't be surprised, but many of our listeners might be surprised to learn that most colleges really do not have an organized strategy for communicating to the parents of prospective students. And by parents, I should stipulate right now, we mean 
to parents, family members, guardians, the, the people in students' lives who are concerned about taking care of them and concerned about their future. So most institutions don't have a communication strategy. So the first thing to do is actually set an intention that you want to engage with parents. And then to your specific question, which is a little bit about when, realize that there's an opportunity to do it long before the student applies and is admitted. Really, the, the institutions that take this the most seriously, that have the most concerted and comprehensive effort, start sophomore year or even before with regular intentional communications to parents. You know, I think I appreciate that. So it's kind of like Nike, just do it. <laughs> because many in, many enrollment teams recognize the import, but of all the things on their list, that the, it feels like this often kind of falls down between the cracks. And um, from the webinar that Michael and I did on this same topic, we asked our uh, participants to share with us, you know, sort of where they were in their parent communication journey. And it's not surprising, they were all over the place. Some felt that they really had a pretty tight um, parent communication plan and executed on it, but it was a very small percentage, as Michael said. So Michael, when yeah, you think yeah. about, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, not, um, not to belabor the obvious, the reason that it's so important to communicate to parents is twofold. One is that parents are telling us in the survey that they want to hear from colleges, the percentage of the parents who say assertively, I want to engage with colleges and universities about my students' choices, it is overwhelming. So parents want the communication. And also students are telling us that parents are not just highly influential, but they are growing more influential in their college choices. So you've got a group of people, the parents, who want to hear from you, and they're going to make a difference in students' college choices. So it really is important and highly leveraged to talk to these parents. So I really appreciate you calling those, those two factors out. And um, talk to us a little bit about, were there any differences in demographic groups? Um, was there a material difference between how racial and ethnic groups of parents want communication from, from colleges? Well, so I think the biggest differences that we saw were actually ones of intensity, not a type. And what I mean by that is that we actually did analyses of the survey results where we cut by the racial or ethnic identities of the parents or of the students. And what we found is that by and large, um, no matter what the race or ethnicity of the parents, their concerns modeled the same patterns of the concerns of the average parent. So gr great deal of concern about cost, great deal of concern about safety. So the topics like that that, that are perennial um, and that are true across racial and ethnic identities. What we did find is that the intensity of those concerns grew depending upon the identities of the parents in question. So in particular, for instance, what, what we found is that when we looked at the, um, the percentage of parents who were concerned about the cost to family, um, the Latinx uh, identifying parents said 73% of them identified financial cost as a top concern. And you contrast that with 71% um, for Black. 60% for Asian, 59% for white. So a high concern for all of these parents, but even more intense for certain groups. Uh, one of the things that, that I was uh, 
pleasantly surprised by was when you just looked at racial groups and whether or not they wanted to be included in their child's um, college search or the family member that they're supporting, it was it was overwhelming. And that was across all groups. So um, I, I really appreciate your point that some of the concerns are slightly, there are variations of intensity of concerns, but in general, everyone wants to be involved. And, and so one of the ways that I interpret that is, you know, some enrollment leaders will say, well, gosh, you know, so our version of a parent communication plan is we CC parents on messages that we're sending to their children. And, you know, what's your, what's your take on that as uh, adequate and sufficient? Um, so my take on CCing parents on communications to students is that it is better than nothing. So if, you, if you're starting out by doing nothing to communicate to parents, at least starting to include them in the conversation is a step in the right direction. But what the survey reinforced to us, which is not surprising because we see it in our work, is that parents are concerned about different topics than their kids are, than their students are at any given time. And let's just give you a specific example of this. A sophomore in high school, from the work that we've done, they're, they're not thinking about the affordability of their education in most cases. And so therefore, if you try to engage them with content on college costs, on affordability, on um, return on investment, it's not really going to land right for the student. For the parent, um, affordability communications, cost communications are actually right on target for what they want to hear about, what they want to engage about, because they are adults. They are planning across a longer time horizon. They're thinking more about the big picture. And so um, we are thinking, as we think about effective parent communications, about what the right topic is at the right time. I do think that's really important. So I will say that one of my very favorite enrollment leaders um, would, would very occasionally start a message out to parents where she actually would uh, paste the message that she had sent to the student but it was always about finance, knowing that, that that's a key question all the way through. And her opener was amazing because it would say, hey, I don't know about you, but if your student is like my, you know, my children, often they're not sharing important information about the college search. And I thought this was so important. I wanted to share with you what I have just sent to them. And, and the sort of the humanity of that and the opener um, got a lot of positive response from parents. So I mean, when you think about that, what other like best practices are you seeing in the market, Michael? What would you recommend that people consider as effective tactics? Well, um, Madeline, it's so funny that you brought up that specific example, because to me, that highlights one of the core principles of effective communication between colleges and students or families, which is being personal and authentic. The example you shared is, is like such a, a nice reminder that power of being a human being, being warm, being empathetic, uh, is going to make a really big difference on how effectively your communication is received. It's something that, that we see in the work that we do with colleges and universities all the time, the power of personal communication. Um, and I think the larger lesson that you can take away from that is that most of the things about an effective parent communication plan are true of almost any communication plan, regardless of the audience. So you got to be personal. You have to be authentic. You also need to be persistent. So um, it is a common fallacy on the part 
of people who are communicating for work that their recipients are just sitting around waiting for their email or their letter or their their Instagram ad or what have you. Um, really, your audience, they are busy people with many things going on in their lives. And so you can't assume they're going to read the first or the second or the third email. You can't necessarily assume that they're going to look at that first postcard. You need to think across the long term. You need to think about it across a broader time horizon and realize you need to try a bunch of times to reach these parents and don't be discouraged by email performance metrics that may look kind of low because really it's all about staying in front of them, being where the parents are when they're engaged, when they're looking. You know, I really appreciate that. My my own lived experience was, I'd like to think that I had a pretty, you know, spot on parent communication flow. And although you don't always get a lot of responses to any individual messages, people would write to me later in the year responding to a previous message that I'd sent. So you knew that it was still sitting out there. And for them, it was a very convenient way to like get back to you when they may have a question about something entirely different. And so again, just because you don't hear from someone doesn't necessarily mean that they're not actually reading and potentially internalizing your message and then gonna use that to get back to you later. But Michael, in the survey, Parents shared some really interesting information about where they go to learn about colleges. And would you mind sharing that? We had this incredibly complicated bubble chart. Can you walk our listeners through it without them having the ability to see it? Yes. Now, everyone, picture in your mind's eye many different bubbles, almost like soap bubbles. Now, I I won't make you visualize the graphic, although um, if you uh, find our white paper, you will have the opportunity to see it for yourself. But let me try to summarize the findings of this survey with regard to the sources of information that parents turn to when they're trying to understand about colleges. So we we ask this question every time we do the survey. And we deliberately ask about a lot of different sources because the reality is that there is no single place that parents turn when they're trying to get information about colleges. In fact, there's no even small group of sources. The biggest takeaway is there so many sources that parents and family members turn to. Um, and so what, what we did is we found that there's really three big categories of sources. One is the sort of self-service research sources, things like Google, websites, um, college websites, third parties, virtual tours, and so forth. Um, also people, counselors, friends, family members, other parents, and so forth. And then also there are more traditional marketing and communication sources. So emails from colleges, personal letters from colleges, um, social media ads, and so forth. And while there were some strong patterns that emerged, so the fact that, um, that college websites were really important, search engines were really important, um, counselors are very influential. The biggest takeaway I get from this is that if you want to be effective reaching parents and family members. You can't put your eggs in one basket. You can't even put your eggs in a couple baskets. You really have to think broadly about what the message is that you want to reach families with, you want to reach parents with, and all the places that you could potentially get it out. And so that requires a broad view of marketing campaigns. It requires you to really think about your website, other websites, and making sure that messaging is relevant and up-to-date. And also how you're getting out in the community, how you're working face-to-face with people to propagate your message. You know, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking maybe that's one of the challenges of getting to the just do it part because it's complicated. 
I mean, you really need a multimodal, multi-present, um, you know, in a lot of places at a lot of different times. Because I think just like students, you never know what is the moment that a person's mind will actually be open to receive the messages that you're trying to share with them in a very crowded digital and, you know, email space. So when you think about that, you just kind of alluded to this a bit, Michael. Um, are there groups of parents who, who indicated through our survey results that they benefited more from in-person channels like college fairs, admission counselor outreach, interactions with counselors than others? Were there some variations there? Yeah, so there were some fairly significant differences in the findings when you cut by race and ethnicity here. In particular, just like you're alluding to, what we found is that the um, Latinx and Black parents um, were more likely to say that they valued the direct communications from college and counselors and college fairs than the parents who were identified as Asian or identified as white. And conversely, we saw somewhat higher uptake from um, things like the colleges.edu website from the Asian and white parents versus black and, and Latinx. And I, I think, again, my biggest takeaway here is don't put your eggs in a single basket. Make sure that you are thinking not just about different marketing vehicles, but actually about different ways to get your message out. And this is not a surprise to those who work in enrollment. The counseling mission, getting out into the community, getting out into the world is so core to what people who work in admissions offices do. So I'm not necessarily preaching anything that is going to be a surprise or um, dissonant to people who work in enrollment. But it's a good reminder that there is value in thinking about a marketing communications plan that is going to make sure that it is uh, effective, consistent, persistent, but also making sure that you are continuing to get out into the world and also into the virtual world with things like virtual college fairs and so forth. Got it. So um, let's switch gears just for a moment to cost, because we not only ask parents in the survey about what are, um, how is it you learn about colleges, but then we ask them what they were anxious about, just like we always are asking students, what are you anxious about as you're thinking about college? And one of the, obviously, one of the things that comes up all the time, so again, not new news to enrollment leaders, you've been talking about this forever, is cost. But one of the things that I was really struck by in this survey, and I'm trying to decide, is this just a pandemic impact or what? But one in three parents actually said they weren't sure that they could afford any college for their student. And that just sort of struck at the heart of, you know, access and opportunity and, you know, creating a better future for, for young people. So, you know, what's your takeaway about communicating on cost? How would you advise knowing that, that people are pretty ramped up about it? regardless of their financial circumstances. Um, so glad you brought that up, Madeline, because my first advice to colleges and universities about communicating with parents is just to do it. But my second piece of advice is talk about cost. It, the findings from the survey were so clear that parents, no matter who they were, were concerned about costs. They wanted to hear from colleges and universities about cost. And that for them, their concerns about cost are actually about a whole constellation of topics. So about whether their child was going to have a fulfilling, successful career afterwards, about how much debt their child was going to have, about the overall affordability of the college experience. And college and universities can play a really important role in educating parents and families about this topic. 
In fact, when we surveyed about some very basic college financing topics, so the difference between sticker price and net cost, for instance, we saw that nearly a quarter of parents who have a household income of 60000 or less said that they hadn't ever thought about sticker price versus net cost. And that is so striking just because that is one of the first things that uh, families in that income bracket ought to be thinking about if they're thinking about college at all. And it's a real opportunity to start to put some of this information in front of families, help them understand the options, help them understand the real affordability of college, and hopefully potentially encourage families to encourage their kids to attend in some cases when they might not. You know, one of the things I'm wondering about is we've seen two years of, you know, pretty dramatic declines in the number of FAFSAs filed in the country. And and I, you know, I worry about this. I often worry, I, I mean, I worry about families in, in every way, both in my previous work as an enrollment leader and now certainly um, partnering up with schools at EAB. You know, I wonder, I think sometimes parents thinking about paying for college, especially if you come from modest financial circumstances, it's kind of scary because you're actually worried, can my family, you know, can we afford anything for my son or daughter? And I think sometimes it's hard to actually even think about that in what people would think is a rigorous and sort of logical way. Because if the end result is you may not be able to pay for it or you're worried you can't, no one wants to send that message to their son or daughter. You know, we're not going to be able to, to support you as you're thinking about pursuing your life's dream of, of going to college. And I'm, you know, I'm wondering, um, I really appreciate what you just said about communicating about, about not just price, but about net cost. And then, of course, we're going to get to value in just a minute. But uh, do you have any tips for reassuring messages that people can send to parents? Because what I worry is, I think some people just shut down because it's terrifying. And filing the FAFSA is not all that fun. And maybe it gets better in a simplified FAFSA, but we don't know that. So reassuring might be a high bar in terms of college financing, because as a parent myself, I'll tell you that the personal experience that the cost of college is scary. And I know you have lived through it as well. Um, What I will say, though, is that there's a lot of opportunity for demystification of college financing. And I think one of the things that is so scary about college costs is not just that the sticker price is so high, but it's so hard to understand um, all the elements of the process, like you're talking about for FAFSA filing, um, but the process of getting financial aid, the cost of how scholarships work, all this stuff. Um, And I don't know that colleges and universities are necessarily well positioned to be truly reassuring because it, it is a huge investment for every family, uh, nearly, to send their, their kids to college. But I think they can help clarify what the options are, what the true cost is, and like you were saying about value, what the true return is and why it is so important. And I think that they have a credible position and a lot of, uh, a lot of standing to be able to articulate those messages and to clarify those those points and those processes. Yeah, Michael, I really like your your phrase reassurance <laughs> because I think I think reassurance and um, trying to minimize anxiety. Um, one of the things that I've often thought is filing a FAFSA just isn't that fun. If any of you have not <laughs> had the privilege and opportunity, nope. and uh, and um, 
and and it also it you know it it feels monolithic and i'm often thinking i often think in terms of just in time information like don't tell me what i need to know next month because i might forget tell me what i need <laughs> to know today and so if you just sort of focus on financial aid for a minute and you think about the agency that you've just described that enrollment shops have to help families work through this process you know is it like you know FAFSA 101A, what do you need, you know, a, a, an FSA ID, and then how do I get it? And then what 101B, what documents do I need, to, you know, when I sit down to complete my FAFSA? I mean, you could create these little snippets. Do you think advice like that is helpful for, you know, maybe many pieces of, of this, not just aid, but maybe the application process and making a choice about college? Would that help parents? Um, it would help parents, probably help students, too. Um, because one of the our findings across many years is that the more you're able to lower barriers to exploration, admission, acceptance, and matriculation, the more students are going to do those things. It seems so obvious, but when you place something difficult in the way of a student or a family member, they might not do it. They might struggle with it. And that is true with things like essays, with test scores, with very complicated bureaucratic uh, process steps for application and so forth. If you remove those things, you see the rates of exploration, filing, admissions, acceptance, you see them go up. And I think the same is true with, in particular, with the financial component, like what you're talking about. If you can do what you can to make your part of the process transparent and simple and also help walk families and their students through what they need to do in a way that is like simple and comprehensible, you're going to see better results. And better results in many cases, it's not just for any individual college, you're going to get more applicants or more students. It's actually you're going to influence some families to get their kids to go to college at all. So it is very important work. I don't want to minimize the impact that this can actually make. Well, and I appreciate what you said about motivate their children to go to college at all, because, I mean, obviously, with National Student Clearinghouse data, you know, we've been observing a long-term trend, but really exacerbated by the pandemic about people stepping away from college. And, you know, for families with constrained financial circumstances, you know, if my son or daughter can get a job making $35,000 with a high school diploma, that starts to look like a pretty good equation. So helping people work through processes and um, engaging parents as your allies to make sure that college kind of stays on the table as one of the options for them to consider seems really important. But so, um, so let's talk about, let's get past cost for a minute because we actually asked in this survey, so what are the things that matter to you as a parent or a supporter of a student you know, applying to college? What is it that matters most to you that would actually help justify the college cost? whatever the individual cost is that the family is paying. Would you talk through some of the things that they shared? Because I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, it, it is consistent with what you hear in the overall discussion in America today about higher education, which is that overwhelmingly parents are concerned about the career outcomes and the real world success of their kids as a result of attending college. So um, a generation or two ago, it was much more about the college experience itself, about the intellectual journey the student would go on, things like our, you know, quality of the professors. That's not what's on the top of the minds of parents right now. It's, is my kid gonna have a fulfilling career? Will they successfully get a job? Will they have 
overwhelming debt? Are they going to get the kinds of experiences that allow them? Are they going to get the kind of experiences that allow them to actually get that job? It's really these very practical considerations that are front and center. And so that is also telling colleges and universities, those are the topics that you also need to highlight in your communication. So there is the the practical supportive part of demystifying college financing, but there's also the convincing part of explaining how attending your college, your university, actually lead to these positive outcomes for students. You know, I was fascinated that in 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 the sort of rank the hierarchy of responses, four of the top five that parents said would uh, validate whatever cost the family would be paying were job and career related. I mean, it's it's not it's it's the it's the elephant in the room. And um so I think everyone on this podcast believes in the transformational impact of a college education, no doubt about it. I mean, we're changing lives, we're opening those doors of opportunity every day. But that's almost like when you're talking to your teenager and asking them to clean their room, they see your lips moving, but they don't really hear you. Because that's not the message that that moves the needle. For parents, you actually have to be talking to them about career prospects and outcomes. And I think for some, they feel like that sort of, um, in some ways, diminishes the the whole the totality of the college experience and I appreciate that feeling but you know what are your thoughts I mean do we need to do we need to serve up to pragmatism because that's where parents minds are to be successful in enrollment in a word absolutely (laughs) to successfully engage uh, parents and family members in believing that college is worth the investment, you need to speak directly to these concerns. And I furthermore will tell anybody in the college and university world that by talking about the specific things that happen on your campus to support these outcomes, the career services work, the the, um, career counseling, which many, many colleges and universities actually do amazingly well, Um, But by talking this, it does not diminish the overall value of your institution. Quite the contrary, it's illustrating something specific that is supporting the overall value. And so I would not hesitate to get very specific and very concrete, both in describing the process by which you help students achieve these outcomes and also the outcomes themselves. That's super powerful. So um, I want to just circle back. You used the word empathy earlier in our conversation, and I talk about empathy a lot. I think empathy has always mattered. I think many people that do enrollment work have very high empathy. They care deeply about each student and family that they are that they work within the recruiting process. Um, how do you think uh, our listeners can bring empathy to bear in their communications, not just with parents, but with their students as well? It's a good question. I think one way is actually by paying attention to the human beings who are on the other side of your communications, be that your emails, your letters, your phone calls. And by pay attention, I don't just mean um, literally noticing them, but when you are crafting a communication, actually think about who the parents are who are receiving this and what their concerns are. These survey findings, in fact, offer a bit of a roadmap for how to develop that empathy because they are a window into the psyche and the subconscious of the people who are getting your communications. They're telling you what you want to hear about. 
they're, they're giving you the opportunity to practice empathy. And so if you craft your communications, your outreach, your plan to conform to what these parents are telling you, you are going to be more empathetic. Thanks, Michael. That's super good advice. It's like the big takeaway from the parent survey is look at all the information that that families are sharing with you about what makes them anxious and then what makes them feel positive about justifying the cost of an individual institution. They're telling you exactly what they need. Well, this has been amazingly helpful. I'm so grateful to you, as always, for your insights and the passion that you bring, not just as a marketing professional, but as a parent who also has been through this with family members, you know, helping them find the very best place for them to pursue their college dreams. So I want to thank every one of you for being on the line today and for joining us for Office Hours at EAB. Thank you for listening. Office Hours is taking a brief end-of-summer hiatus next week, but please join us the following week when we'll be, if not tanned, at least rested and ready to bring you a fresh new episode. Until then, thank you for your time.